I'm Randy Rohde, and I'm fascinated with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Plus, I love baseball. Every show, I sit down with a small business owner, and we discuss their running the bases of entrepreneurship. We throw the ball around on strategy, management, execution, and innovation. Plus, a little fun baseball talk. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say. Play ball! And it's a great day for a ball game. I'm Randy Rohde with Running the Bases with Small Businesses. And uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm just in this pattern of having firsts on the show. I don't know, you know, the podcast's been running for uh, about a year and a half now. But today is probably like the hallmark of first because I think we have so many firsts on the show today. I can't even count, actually. So today's guest, uh, I'm going to give you this great intro. All right. And then we'll dig into this stuff. You've had so many different interesting careers. We could probably spend an hour diving into each one of these things. I I can't even... I literally could, I think. And I don't, maybe we'll have to get you back on and, and talk about some of these other things too. You were born in Newcastle, England. She began working at 15, was a small business entrepreneur, owning her own dance studio at the age of 19. After some unexpected changes in her business model, she packed her bags, headed to Bollywood. I have no idea where Bollywood is even. As a professional dancer, she danced throughout the mid East, appearing in over 300 Bollywood movies. Her adventurous spirit led her to run away with, all right, folks, I've checked this multiple times, and this is accurate. She ran away with a Mexican circus. (laughs) Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Uh, She landed in America at some point dancing in Vegas as a showgirl, and then after an injury, put her on the sidelines from dancing. She joined the Hilton Hotel Group in Egypt. So you went from Vegas back over to Egypt as a choreographer. And then when the tourism industry took a hit in Egypt, she and her husband found themselves unemployed with a small baby and looking for the next opportunity, which took her in a completely different direction, back to her entrepreneur roots, joining a new industry, which is where I connected with her and what we'll learn about today. So that is one heck of a intro. That is a life. You've led the life (laughs) of like three people already. Um, Please welcome the founder of Clever Touch Marketing and Affiliate Marketing Group, Jenny Abu Ayala. Jeez. After I even was like practicing this name and now I completely boof it. Jenny. uh, Well, I got Jenny down. Jenny Abu Abaya. Yeah, that's me. Abu Abaya. All right. I'm sorry. I I, literally I'm like, I got this down. I even wrote it out phonetically and, and I just completely did a. Yeah. All right. Well, Jenny. Welcome. And so here's the first. So you are kind of dialing in from Egypt. What is it? Um, Is that right? Yeah, I am. I'm all the way from sunny Sharm El Sheikh. So yeah, in the middle of the desert. (laughs) I'm not on a camel though. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I think we would hear the camel if you were. I was going to Google map that. I don't even. So uh, Sharm El Sheikh, is that how you say it? Sharm El Sheikh. Sharm El Sheikh. And what is it in the middle? Are you near the coast at all or where? Yeah, yeah. We're basically on the coast. It's like it's it's one of the main kind of tourist mm. cities 
Sean. So you've got we're in South Sinai, which is basically it's okay. basically the farthest part of Egypt before you get to Israel. So that that whole coast is kind of you've got Sharm El Sheikh, and then you've got uh, Dahab, Nueva, and Taba, and then past there you get in Israel. So we're just uh, yeah, we're basically we're close to we're close to Mount Sinai, which is where Moses parted the Red Sea and all of this okay. cool oh. historical stuff. Oh, so oh. that's that's where I am. Yeah. 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 Yeah, all right. So a British national living in Egypt. Now you have two kids, not just yeah. the one. How old are your kids? They will be uh, three and six in the oh, next two months. So yeah, fun. so still right. quite small. Yeah, you get your hands full. I know. I know. Oh I, yeah. And let me tell you, I have two kids, and it doesn't get any easier as they get old. As a matter of fact, I think it's even crazier. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. boy, boy and girl as well. So as you yes. can imagine, yes, that's what I have as well. Dog. Yes, boy and girl. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, and at first when I first had them, they were like, oh, they're so cute. And now it's like, oh boy, they're like adults that want to do stuff now. They're crazy <laughs> anyway so i did mention so this whole thing about bollywood where in the where is bollywood i know it's in like india, india yeah. i get that but yeah. i mean is there like in the states you think of hollywood it is in yeah, kind of it's, burbank it's california well, right but, kind of mumbai is uh kind of the main that's where all the agencies and and the cast and directors okay. and all of this kind of stuff are based in Mumbai but they actually travel all over Egypt and outside uh, sorry Egypt India and all outside of India as well to do movie shoots right. and and stuff like this and the the thing is with Bollywood it's you know you, when you think of Bollywood you do think of kind of the traditional Indian Bollywood but actually the agencies that are in Bollywood they provide all of the the kind of talent for um, like Western oh. um, movies and and music videos and stuff that mm -hmm. I happen to be shooting in India. So mm -hmm. I did a lot of movies. I did a movie with oh, what is his name? I'm going to forget it off my tongue now because I've been asked to say about it. Uh, Keith Sutherland's dad, Donald Sutherland. Donald that's Sutherland. his name. Okay. Yeah, I did a movie with Donald Sutherland and. Oh, what is it? And now I'm going to forget everybody's name, you see, because I've been put on the spot. Um, the girl who was Captain Marvel, she was in oh, it too. Brie, Brie somebody. I can't. Yeah, it's Brie Larson. That's Brie Larson. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I did, uh, I did the MTV Awards when they were hosted wow. in India and all of this kind of cool stuff. Well, yeah, look so at the, you go. The, all right. Yeah. It was, it was really good fun. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. uh, it was interesting. It was interesting mainly. I'll tell, I'll tell you the, the, the truth kind of secret about Bollywood. Well, that's all I'm, <laughs> that's, if anything, that's what we seek out on this show yeah, is it's, truth. It's one so. of those things where it's kind of that really ultimate Instagram life in the sense of everybody looks at the, the pictures on the movie sets and you're in these costumes and you've got all of the, you know, the sets and you're with all these stars and all of this kind of stuff. And everyone's like, wow, you must be living the dream. It's awesome. And then at the end of the day, you go to like, a, a motel that's full of cockroaches and you've got a bucket for a shower and you like <laughs> literally you can go from it's so crazy in India because there's such a, a wealth gap so you right. can literally go from being in a five-star big name hotel with these movie stars to literally being thrown in <laughs> like the middle of nowhere in like I say bucket for a shower cockroaches all over the place 
you don't want to close your eyes to go oh, to man. sleep. That sounds because <laughs> God knows. So it's it, yeah, the it's, wonderful it's life of people. stardom, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like well, I think to be honest, that's probably what most of those kind of not just being based in India, but yeah. you know anybody who works in that kind of industry, you're all literally living out of a suitcase all oh, yeah, the time. Yeah. So it's it's it looks very glamorous, but it's it's hard work. It's like you know we would shoot you shoot for twelve hours a day, and you would go from quite often you'd go from doing like a night shoot, which would be kind of six p.m. or six in the morning, right. and then you know you'd finish that shoot, you'd get home at six in the morning, and then they'd be like, okay, you've got a flight at eight to go to somewhere else to start shooting tomorrow and so it's it's crazy it's not something you can do for a long period of time although I like I mean I was with girls who they were on their fourth you usually do kind of six month contracts and I was with girls who were on their fourth and fifth time round so they'd done six months had gone somewhere else on a cruise ship or whatever for six months and come back I just did it the once. I think I was too old <laughs> to keep going back. I didn't have that kind of energy. So I was like, yeah, no, I think I'm going to pass. I'm going to run away with a Mexican circus. Oh, instead. my gosh. Well, I have a good friend who is from India, he and uh, his wife, and um, and they love watching, you know, these Bollywood movies. And, and I've watched a few of them with them and have seen – and I've seen like some of the real popular ones that have been popular here in the States anyway. And, and they're all very artistic and right. Very showy and a lot of dance stuff. Yeah. It seems like going on. And so I'm, I'm just picturing you I'm like, wow, you're in one of those really cool, you know, artsy, yeah. dancey, flashy kind of movies. How fun. Yeah. They were, um, they were really good. The, the funniest thing probably to be honest, right. was like, I mean, obviously for us, if we, if we got to work with someone who was like a Western star, like I say, a movie star or, mm. you know, like, a, a musician or whatever that was great for us but obviously a lot of the time you're working with the Bollywood stars but it was really funny because to us we don't know who they are but like these guys that you're working with it's right. like the Tom Cruise of India do you know what I mean like and you've literally got thousands of women outside like oh these these stars and you're just like who i don't even know who this guy is like never heard of him in my life so yeah it's the same with me when i'm walking into my office building the same thing it it, it really is you know people here in ohio oh yeah randy um yeah right well i will tell you you're telling these stories so i i lived in la for uh, a few years and i knew quite a few people in the industry as well and it's similar to what you were saying right is that you know the life that they lived on the set or in the industry and when they would do stuff, it was so much different, you know, they'd walk away from there and they'd just be like, just literally scraping by trying to, you know, like, oh, where's, where am I going to be next week? And just yeah. a crazy lifestyle, I think. But any crazy, what's your craziest story out of it? And I got it. So this is what I say. I could talk with you about an hour, probably alone on the yeah. Bollywood, but oh, do you have any crazy, like- crazy Bollywood story? And then we'll move on. Because I got to talk um, about the circus because that I can't even get my head around that. But Well, one, one that I told my husband and he didn't believe us because uh, like obviously because we we're doing this kind of thing, we used to get invited to all these different industry parties. And like I say, I mean, half of these industry parties would never heard of any of these people. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it was just like, OK, cool. Right. And um 
and I was walk, I was walking, we're in this like uh, like a nightclub, and there was you know like this big private VIP event, and this guy, this guy started talking to us and was like, oh, you know, had an American accent, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, and he was like chatting away and and all of this kind of stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, right, nice to meet you, you know, as you do, and. You know, we're a group of girls. This is we'll often got a you know a lot of attention, especially you know maybe and as white as I am, I kind of stood out like a sore thumb in India as well. Um, so we'd get a lot a lot of people talking, and and uh, and this guy walked away, and I was like, oh, he was nice. And one of the girls I was with was like, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, I've got no idea. And they were like, that's T Pain. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like just just been talking to the guy for now. I had no idea who he was, and he's like chatting away. Do you want to come to this private party? Yeah, sounds great. No problem. Yeah, awesome. And this girl that I was with was like, "Wow, look who you're talking to!" And I was just like, "I've got no idea who he is." I don't even and know. So, I, I couldn't tell you now. What'd you say his name was? T Pain. He's a he's a rapper. He's like super famous from oh. the state. And oh, he was see, doing that's some, my problem. Yeah, yeah. He was doing some kind of promotion in India, but this is what happened a lot. Like we, had, we did a music yeah. video with. Acorn and people like this where they were doing promotions like obviously because I think when you're in the UK or the US you don't really think about these stars doing right. promotions right. in other countries but obviously they do yeah. and so like we would you know we would get kind of hired in to do all these kind of things and um this girl I was with was like this huge fan and I was just like I had no idea who he was <laughs> <laughs> at the time at all so so yeah, it's like we've uh we've done a, a a few crazy things to be honest. And like in India it's just a crazy place anyway, yeah. because like I say, I think because of the wealth gap and stuff as well, like well, we lived literally next to a swamp. I was yeah. like Princess Fiona and Shrek. Like that's <laughs> that's where we lived. And then you'd go to these places and it was just like wow so glamorous and you'd shoot on on location and we went to uh, uh jodhpur and and all like shooting on the roofs that right. are blue and you've got monkeys running while you're doing shoots yeah. and all of this it's just yeah it's a really it's something you have to see i definitely think it's something everybody should go to india if they've got the chance well it is on my list i okay i have to ask you one last question though about the bollywood thing so you said so yeah. you did you did a six-month contract is that what you said mm-hmm. you did one and in six months, you did 300 movies? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah, you don't take it there. There's no days off in Bo- in Bollywood. Wow. Yeah, no, it's crazy. You literally, yeah, I mean, I did something like, I, let's just say I was scared to fly before I went to India, and I did something like 52 flights or something while I was in India. It wow. was just crazy. Like, yeah. you go from one... There was times where I would do a day shoot and do a night shoot and do a day shoot. And like, so you're literally finishing one and right. going to do another 12 hour yeah. shift for 36 hours and stuff like this. But because there's a lot of what you see in the movie or a music video or whatever, you see this one scene where maybe it's two minutes long and it's right. all chaos and the dancing and crazy. But that takes, you know, that can take three 12 hour shoots just wow. to shoot just that to one get scene, that one you know? scene in. so yeah. a lot of the time you're sitting around in a costume and you're waiting and you've mm. got to go and do the same thing over and over and over again so but um but yeah it's definitely a worthwhile experience right. uh, and just even going to india is a worthwhile experience yeah, yeah. for any uh, yeah. i think anybody should go to india all right all right so i i did uh, like we've got so much we can hit on so i'm going to move forward <laughs> though I, so i'm going to hit today i'm coming back to the circus so you're not yeah. out of circus <laughs> stories yet so tell us a little bit about Clever Touch Marketing, what it is that you're doing and 
maybe just go back enough to say, like, when did you start Clever Touch yeah. Marketing? Not Don't do the, any of the backstory on the whys yet, but just yeah. like, when did you start? Tell us about your company, what you're doing right now. Yeah. So we started back in, I think it was 2017, 2017 around. So, uh, yeah, it started out basically... I was freelancing anyway, and I kept getting asked to do a lot of freelancing that I couldn't do. And I knew there was other women uh, like myself who were, you know, British expats living here. Maybe they were similar to myself, married to an Egyptian, or, you know, they'd, they'd been working prior to the, the Russian plane crash. Uh, they'd been working in tourism. There was lots of, you know, diving instructors and all of this kind of stuff living here. So I thought, oh, I could probably teach a couple of women how to do some of this stuff and, and give them some of the work. And then it was a case of, you know, I got a couple of a couple of ladies involved and they told a couple of more ladies and they told a couple of more ladies. And then it was kind of like, I think we've got an agency here. So uh, that, that's basically how it came about, to be honest with you. So, yeah, so then and my husband was already working in uh, print advertising. Mm. So it just he had his own company doing like local stuff here. So uh, it was just made sense to kind of it was like, well, you know, I'm already doing the local and the the print stuff. So why don't you do the kind of foreign digital stuff? Just kind of makes sense. So. So, yeah, so that's basically how it got started and uh, has just grown up until today, we still only work with niche affiliate websites um, because that's what I started out doing uh, as a freelancer. And it's it's something I love doing because we get to do every part of SEO. We're doing the content, we're doing the SEO, we're doing the link building, we're doing the PR. So it means that you get to kind of be a jack of all trades, if you like, which so is can, what I love. Can I, can I ask you a question here yeah. before we get too too deep in it? Explain for folks maybe that don't know, you threw out a phrase, niche affiliate websites. Can you talk about that? Explain that a little bit, I guess, define it for folks. So basically a a niche affiliate uh, SEO website is where it's mainly like a blog, what would be, you know, you would think obviously a traditional blog website, your mommy bloggers or any of this kind of stuff. And what you tend to be doing is you'll be reviewing uh, products. So you'll write a lot of product reviews. You'll, you'll pick a niche, specific niche, whether it be parenting, pets, whatever, you know, whatever the niche is, there's literally anything you can think to buy. There's a niche Right, <laughs> There's a right. niche for it. So, yeah. So, and then, you know, you build your whole website around this niche. It's supposed to be basically an informational hub and you're letting every visitor who comes to your website, you're giving them all the information you possibly can about your specific niche. A lot of it will be, you know, informational that you just, you just want to inform the reader. So maybe if you are doing something like a, a website about cats, you are this huge cat lover, you might do a lot of informational content about cat health, nutrition and that kind of thing. And then at the same time, you're going to review litter boxes, cat food, cat litter, all of this kind of stuff. And that's how you earn your your revenue, basically. So by recommending these products, a lot of people do it with Amazon, but there is, you know, private affiliate networks out there as well. And basically you can earn commission by recommending certain products. So then when someone reads your blog and, you know, you've got the crazy cat lady down the street is reading about the best <laughs> cat litter boxes, um, she'll, you know, follow the link that you said, this cat litter box is amazing. It's perfect for your 27 cats that live in your house and uh and she's going to go on amazon she's going to buy that and then you're going to earn yourself a little commission so so that's basically the kind of top and bottom of the the niche affiliate model 
and the thing that I love the most about it is pretty much anybody can do it and anybody mm. can be successful with it, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to kind of stick with that. And we mainly work with people who are just starting their affiliate sites. So mm. people who have started a new one or people who maybe have bought one that hasn't been doing so well, or they've tried to start it themselves and it's hit a plateau. That's kind of where we come in and, and, uh, and work with them. And I think a lot of SEOs think that I'm crazy because I like working with new sites and most SEOs don't like doing that, right, but it's kind right. of my favorite thing <laughs> because I mean, yeah, that's where you're laying the groundwork. So that's where you can help someone the most as far as I'm concerned. So, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the niche affiliate model. And that's, uh, that's basically what, what we work with from all aspects. So it's interesting. So, so, um, thinking about this kind of working through this process. So I would assume you probably develop your own niche affiliate websites for your own purposes as well. And I know there's a massive aftermarket for this stuff as well. You know, you develop it and then you go flip it once you've demonstrated it's got legs and is rolling. Yeah. Uh, And that's probably truly where the big money is. And once you flip these things, but so do you, so if somebody were to come to you then or to your agency with their own affiliate site, do you essentially then just take it over and do all of that SEO stuff for them? Or do you teach them how to do it and then they do it themselves? Or do you do both kind of models? Both. We do a bit of both. So um, as kind of as Clever Touch has developed, most recently we actually kind of opened um, a kind of secondary agency it's all you know it's all under the same umbrella if you like Mm. but what we wanted to do was have clever touch as kind of a single service agency so that's where someone would come and you know maybe they'll get press release or link building or content or whatever where they just they just want to hire hire in an agency to you know fulfill that for them and then what we did was we started the affiliate marketing experts, which is that's based around building full sites. So, you know, someone who maybe they've just done a course like Authority Hacker or Matt Diggity's mm-hmm. uh, Affiliate mm-hmm. Lab or something like this. They've learned how to do it. They don't know really where to start. They want to get going. Then they can come to uh, the affiliate marketing experts and we do, you know, we can build a custom site for them depending on what they want. We can manage full sites for them and we can also do we also build starter sites that we can sell that have already we've already done the groundwork we've you know we've done the first kind of batches of content we've started getting the first lot of traffic on there um so basically they can they can cut out that kind of initial hard work and just start building on it and and start to earn commissions and through the affiliate marketing experts we actually started a free course called surpack which uh basically kind of it's kind of like an introduction to your courses like the uh, the affiliate lab and stuff like this but after covid happened there was a lot of people that i knew back in the uk that had family businesses and that were doing you know had been doing right, these businesses right. for years and years and years and they just got closed down and they, they didn't know anything about affiliate sites and didn't realize that they had so much knowledge that actually they were the perfect kind of person that you know you can write the content yourself you right, can do right. all of this so we did so I, I asked a few seos that i knew i kind of twisted their arms to come in and, and help us out so we we released Surpack uh, just about a month ago, actually, um, totally free. And the whole idea was just to basically lay the groundwork of is this model as a business model right for you before you start investing money in something like the affiliate lab to do, you know, where it tells you from start to finish how to get going. 
and stop buying buying your site and all of this kind of stuff. We wanted to do something for people who basically didn't understand what niche affiliate SEO was to let them know, you know, is this a is this business model a good choice for you before you start kind of laying down your your finances and things like this. So so yeah, so we'll do a bit of everything. We'll have the single services for people who just want a, you know, they just want a team to do their link building or they want a reliable team to do their content or whatever. And then we'll have uh, the kind of affiliate marketing experts side which like I say that's still quite new we're still building it up as we go along but we have our starter sites and we do full site management so if someone will have a lot of clients over the years who you know they've developed multiple sites they've got now kind of a portfolio that they're building on and they just don't have time they just don't have time to manage everything so they need someone like us who knows what they're doing and can do the arrange, right? We're going to have the content right. then when we're going to do this link building and so on and so forth. So we do, we're kind of, when it comes to niche affiliate SEO, we're literally the, the A to Z. We'll do yeah, anything yeah. you need, we'll do it somewhere well, along the line. And you're kind of the niche of SEO a little bit as well, because you're just really focusing yeah, on that affiliate business. So uh, you mentioned yeah, the free... Yeah, we're a niche within a niche. <laughs> yeah, so you mentioned the free course uh, folks can go get it. Is that right on your website? Yeah, that's if, uh, yeah, well, we've got links to it on the Clever Touch website, uh, clevertouchmartin.com and the affiliatemartinexperts.com, but it also has its own website, which is surpack.com. So, you know, you can go on any of those and they're all connected. You'll find what you want from one to the, <laughs> <one or> the <laughs> other. So, yeah. Got to, got to do those internal links and that link yeah, building. Yeah, so, yeah. All right. All right. So I want to be sure that we, we get those things and we'll have links to all of that stuff in our show notes. And so folks can, uh, can go off and find you there. So that's pretty exciting. So you mentioned, um, which I thought was great. And I want to touch on this a little bit later in the show as well, but is your team all ladies there, women in Egypt with you? We're not you, all or? ladies. We okay. are about 80% ladies. Okay. So there is, there is some gentlemen within the team, but most of the gentlemen who are in the team actually are related to the ladies. <laughs> mm. So my dad works with her as well. Good. It's very family oriented. Oh, so, very uh, Good. My, yeah, my dad was, he worked in uh, education for all of his life. So um, he now works as well, senior editor. He's been with me for about three years. And we also have a couple of guys who are, I've trained doing some of the SEO side who okay. are husbands of women who work with women, things like this. So, so right. yeah, so we don't have a huge amount of uh, gentlemen. We are 80% women and all of our management have always been women. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I so, do want to follow that path a little bit, but before we go down that road, I have to take a step back further. So before clever. <laughs> Bollywood to the Mexican circus, right? Because this is still yeah. just, I can't get past this until we talk about it in a second. <laughs> Seriously, a Mexican circus. So what in the world? I've yeah. uh, My imagination is just running crazy with this thing. So uh, yeah. tell us about that. How in the world did you even make that transition? Uh, well, basically I finished Bollywood. I had also... After Bollywood, I had done the Middle East. So I'd been around the Middle East dancing. Um, and then I'd went home for the Christmas period. So I'd gone back to the UK. And the funny thing is when you travel, for anybody who's done a lot of traveling, you you think when you initially go away that you're going to come back and so much is going to have changed. But what you realize is that you come back and everybody's lives have gone on as normal without you and everybody everything's the same everyone's still doing the same things they've got the same job so it becomes very easy to get bored <laughs> very quickly uh, once you get back home 
So I think I'd been home for about two weeks and I was like, yeah, I've had my holiday now. I think I need to go somewhere else. Um, and a girl who had been uh, in India, she wasn't in India with me at the time, but it's one of those things where the because they do six months and six months and six months, you know, somebody you've worked with, you, every girl that comes in is when one girl goes out. So basically everybody you've worked with has worked with other people and so on. So you get to know people's names, you know, you know, of people and things like that. And one of the girls who had been in India before me, who I knew of, um, were kind of connected on Facebook or something like this. Um, she was actually doing the recruiting for the Mexican circus and she was recruiting a load of dancers. So uh, I sent her over on my show reel. Um, and obviously she had heard of me as well from, from India. So, so yeah, so then um, I landed that job. I didn't run away. Technically there was a contract <laughs> and everything. It was all above board, but I remember um, at the time I had, I had called up me, me dad and I was like, because you know, I was living in some temporary accommodation as I wasn't, staying in the UK for very long so I was like I don't have a printer I need you to print out this contract for this new job I hadn't told him where it was what it was doing nothing I was like I need I need you to print out this contract and he called I sent him it over and he had called up my mum and was like um she's running away with a circus <laughs> they were like what she was like no really it's a, it says it's a circus oh, so, so yeah so I went I went off with the the elephants and the camels and all the rest of them got took in a crate over to, to, I can to only Donna, imagine Texas. I can only yeah. imagine as a dad of my daughter and like dad can you print out this contract I gotta get it signed <laughs> off and I look at it and I'm like you're what what are you doing <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! The big circus tent is the logo. Yes, exactly. Well. I'm like, like, what? What? <laughs> Rory, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like, so, what are you going to be a clown or what? Like, yeah. what's, I don't um, get it. So, did you yeah, just so. then tour all over Mexico? Uh, as uh, as yeah, no, it was it's in the U.S. So, but it does oh. all live the the Latin and Hispanic uh, kind of area. So, okay. actually, I went to Donna, Texas. Uh, that was where I did all the training. So, I went actually to do a lot of choreography. So, I stayed for about okay. three months until all of the kind of choreography for the show and everything was up and running. I did it the initial tours, and then um, and then I, I left them to, to continue without us. So, yeah. So, but it was yeah. So it was basically. All the training was done in Donna, Texas, and then it was touring kind of Texas and and up the West Coast and the East Coast, and they do it for like a full year. It's that's another thing that is like that is a hard life, and it was really it was really strange for us because when you do dance contracts, normally you know if you do like a cruise ship or anything like this, that the dancers are kind of the talent. If you like, that's like everyone's right, like, oh right. wow, the dancers, yeah, wow, yeah. like you know they've got so much skill and blah. And you go to a circus and you are the least talented person in the whole place because all you know the the people who are in the circus life, that that third, fourth generation, right, doing this crazy stuff like even the horses were more uh, you know, their dance routines were better than ours so like <laughs> were literally the, the bottom of the rung like I couldn't believe it they had the horses come out and the horses are dancing crack of a whip and they're spinning around and stand on their back legs and I was like wow we really are the least talented people here I, so yeah. what a life <laughs> so, too yeah, it, so I mean when you yeah. would go in the circus so you did some initial I, I, you know I so my experience with the circus or something like that, they kind of come into a place, they're there for like two or three days maybe, and then they yeah. like pitch the tent and they're off yeah. to the next wherever. Yeah. So it's it you're literally living in like trailers and wow. you get you get um 
you know, you go somewhere, the tent goes up in like one day. They have yeah. everybody who's obviously they have a, a technical team. Who sure, are doing sure, the but it, but it is got to be like, like but all everybody hands. gets involved. Right, yeah, yeah, all hands on deck. Uh, get the tent up, and then you have your last day. Usually, it's like a week. Do you do kind of a week, and that's the thing. It is kind of a a hard a hard life because your only days off are your travel days. Mm. So like, it's only when you're going from one city to another that you have your days off. So, you know, you pitch the tent, all hands on deck. And then it's a case of, you know, two shows a day, three shows at the weekend. And then the tent comes down within a matter of hours. It's like, okay, last show, everybody out, costumes out, tent down. And then, you know, you've got maybe two or three days off while, but you know, you say days off, you're traveling somewhere else. You're traveling. So you, might get I, you can't even do your laundry. I don't even know. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it is a, a really hectic lifestyle. Like I say, for, wow. you know, for doing like a contract or something, it's great. But to me, I don't really don't know. I mean, we had people in the circus who, like I said, third and fourth generation and right. they had families that had kids with them, like, you know, li- young kids the like five four and five year olds that's incredible living in the trailers with yeah. them and like getting them prepared to be the next generation the next and, generation of circus yeah, people so you you finished out then at the mexican circus you're in the yeah. state so that makes sense to me now i'm kind of putting together your timeline and then you yeah you ended up then in vegas as yeah. a showgirl in vegas did a little bit of yeah some feathers and sparkles <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then, I'm I'm only going to make an assumption here because you eventually got to Egypt. So I'm thinking yeah. you met your husband in Vegas. No, I met my husband in Egypt. I oh. came back to Egypt. Yeah. Okay. So I injured me. I injured myself while I was in the states. I dislocated my hip. Oh. Which, as you can imagine, as a dancer, is probably not the best. And that <laughs> sounds to incredibly have. painful as well. Yeah, so, that was it. Yeah. Was super painful. So I dislocated my hip. Gave that enough time to kind of rest and then, but when I was trying to get back into the dancing, basically every time, every time I went to do something technical, the hip would pop out and pop back in. And it was just became very apparent that this is just only going to get worse. So it was like, okay, we need to step back and rethink. So I went back to the UK again. Surprised me parents just turned Mm. up on the door like, I'm here. (laughs) Um, And then... Yeah, got a contract over in Egypt to work as a choreographer rather than a dancer. So I mm. could just, you know, stand and mm-hmm. shout at people mm-hmm. right. rather than doing the the physical exertion myself. Um, and the I went to work for like a chain hotel group, the Hilton Hotel Group. And my husband was actually working uh, there as the coordinator for the for um all of the entertainment so he okay. was the one who you know said which night which dance team was going where and got which it, singer was it, going where it. and doing all of that kind of stuff so we met that's where we met and, very nice uh, okay uh, yeah now does so mr abu abu abaya does he yeah. work in clever touch marketing as well does yeah. he do so a little he's, bit? Okay. he's the he's the official owner <laughs> of Clever Touch Marketing. So, but he does obviously all of our kind of Arabian client side and we still do, we still do a lot of local work. We do print work and stuff like this with local clients. So he, you know, he's in charge of all of that side, which is, even though it's one thing, it's totally separate. I've got no idea what they do. (laughs) And he doesn't step in really with what we do at all. So, so yeah. So technically I'm just the face. Uh, He's the, he's the, on paper, legal, legal owner and everything. Right. Um, and Is yeah, it, and so, I'm the, the PR person. <laughs> so, so as a, uh, a, a married couple 
running a business together, does that create issues at all? Are you guys usually on the no, same th- page or what's that boardroom? Yeah, like? I, think, I mean, sometimes I think it does because obviously I think just because of the cultural differences, there's a lot of differences in terms of style of how we management manage staff is probably the, the biggest thing because obviously, you know, I work with all of the kind of the British, uh, the British and Americans and the way you kind of handle staff and how you should do things is totally different to how things are done here um and what you know egyptian staff are used to and and all of that kind of stuff so you know there'll be times when i'm more of the kind of uh, what's what's the best way to put it probably like you know very we're you know we're big team effort and we're all hugs and and you know high fives and well dones and all of this kind of stuff where in egypt it's it's a lot stricter the uh-huh. the kind of regime of work is you know everybody knows what they're doing everybody knows their place it's it's like that so sometimes i think he thinks i'm a little bit too too soft and friendly with this <laughs> with the staff probably <laughs> but i think it's that's just really a very cultural thing okay. it's just it's just how they they used to do and things here so but other than that where you usually uh but you yeah, work with each of you then kind of has your set of strengths that you yeah. work with and seems to probably work well together, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, most definitely. I mean, I think that, to be honest, that's why it works really well with yeah. him. He he works really well with, you know, the clients in kind of places like Dubai mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and Jordan and all of these kind of places because it's, you know, it's culturally and everything sure. it's very similar so it's it works very well that way and then obviously you know i'm used to the kind of british banter and and all of this kind of stuff so i do quite well with the he'll the, leave you with the crazy brits and uh, yeah, yeah i get to deal with the, the americans <laughs> and the brits yeah so, so yeah all right, well, well that's pretty fun all right so jenny it is that time and it's time for the seventh inning stretch okay jenny now, I do know because you're from the UK, you may not know a lot about baseball. Yeah, you're going to be testing it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that time. It's a seventh inning stretch. I get it. We take a little uh, departure from our conversation. We talk a little bit about baseball. And I know for you, it's probably um, more around the crickets and rounders, I'm guessing, versus yeah. actual baseball. So. So because of that, I'm going to, I'm going to really just give you a lob here. Um, This is going to be such an easy (laughs) hit for you. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Yes. I can, (laughs) I can see she's a little nervous, but all right. All right. So this is really, is just going to be kind of a yes or no or true or false question. All right. So this is, this is easy. And, you know, my team does such a great job. They pull stuff, you know, kind of relative to the guest. And so this is really about Egypt and baseball. And is there a connection? All right. So here's the question. Is there, true or false, yes or no, is there a connection of ancient Egypt and the history of baseball? I don't know, but I'm going to say yes, only because since I've lived here, I've found out that ancient Egypt has had their hand in way more things than I ever thought. So I'm, I'm going to go, yes. I could be wrong, but... Very good. I'm, I'm no, yes. You, you get a dinger right there. You hit it yes. out of the park. Way to go. Yes, yes. So evidently, uh, I had no idea about this as well, but there is a thing called batting the ball, 
uh, evidently yeah. that they have uncovered and and I'll I'll say this and I'm sure I'll butcher this but it's Seeker Hamad uh, was an Egyptian bat the ball game uh, played by Egyptian pharaohs and they had yeah. their priests as catchers uh, evidently and significantly this game had certain physical and uh, thematic similarities to modern day American baseball and in certain ways might be understood as the ancient precursor to baseball and softball. Yeah, I fa- do you know what it is? It's really, it's funny because since I lived here, I found out so many things, that are similar stories to that. I found out that the first ever stand-up comedy was done in ancient Egypt for the pharaohs. And they also had their own version of chess called Senate, which uh, was like uh-huh. basically like a chess board and yeah, stuff like this. Yeah. So there's so many things that have, that uh, really wouldn't surprise us <laughs> because they seem to have had the hand in everything, the, the pharaohs. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. And, and we're talking ancient Egypt, right? So this is like mm. 1460 BC. We're, we're thousands yeah. of years ago. Um, so this is crazy. Well, so Jenny, you did well. Uh, you know, was it yes or no? But I think you took a good logic <laughs> approach to it. All right. So let's get back into it. Play ball. Jenny, we are talking about your affiliate market. I do want to hit on that. So you talk about, you know, niche, uh, very specific kind of affiliate market. Is there any kind of a hot trend or, you know, really something popular right now that people wouldn't think about that would be popular that you're seeing? Like, wow, you know, we're building this stuff and it is going crazy. To be, to be honest, it's like not necessarily like that you get a lot of the the sim you get a lot of the same niches coming through that are kind of easy to go for that you know like outdoors is a big one like camping and prep mm. and survival will do a lot of um a lot of content and stuff for those kind of niches um and you get your typical parenting and all of this kind of stuff um one that's doing quite well that is you know getting more popular as the world changes i think is kind of the sustainable living so, you know, keeping your own chickens and all of this kind of stuff, which a lot of people don't think about, but obviously with global warming and all that kind of stuff, a lot of more people are getting involved in the kind of sustainable lifestyle. So that, that's probably one that's doing quite well. Um, but to be honest, one thing that I usually advise people against is actually going with something that's brand new, right. hot. And, you know, like, because a lot of the time they can kind of fall flat, especially a lot of people jump into them thinking, oh, they're the newest thing that that's going to make us loads of money. But a lot of people with less experience kind of don't do, when I do a lot of talks, I talk about kind of long-term keyword research and looking at, you know, your keywords for sort of three to five years, just to make sure your niche is a business that you can actually build up to that point. And a lot of people don't think about the fact that, you know, is like vaping and things like this when they became really popular like is that something that vi- is going to be viable long term right. sustainable so yeah. yeah so kind of usually i t- tend to try and encourage people to stay away from the newest hottest mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's t- going with something that is kind of proven to work is always a good strategy but my kind of top tip really would be because if you think about, you know, fitness, parenting, they've been done, they've been done to death, you know, so right. you've always got to kind of try and look for something that is, you know, that a niche within a niche, if you like something that you can be the best at, because at the end of the day, you're fighting for keywords on you, you're fighting for that, that those positions and stuff like this. So obviously the less competition you can have, 
the better if it's going to be a you know a viable niche so my top tip which is going to sound funny but anything that people are embarrassed about <laughs> is where the money is right if you don't want to go to the doctor and you want to google a product that's 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 your way in right there that that's, is so funny you say that because I had uh, Holly Starks on the show, I don't know, a few months ago, and she was kind of saying the same thing. It's like, listen, it's the embarrassing things that are really... It really is. Yeah. And not not even necessarily, I suppose, embarrassing, but just things that are, like I say, that, you know, are the things that you would only Google if you're like... Right. I'm not going to call up my friend and say... Hey, Bill, can you tell me about what do you do for toenail fungus, right? Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, things that like, oh, can I Google this? Like those are the those are the things that do really well. Things that people are, are into in secret, the, the little kinks and things like this. These are yeah. ones that are, you know. That's where the the money is. If that's you like. so, that's yeah. where the money. I think yeah. I think Holly did quite well with something like hemorrhoid cream or something. Yes, like exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. So and something like that is that's where you know your niche within a niche. Then you're going to be you know if you can rank for things like that, then you know you're laughing really because. I mean, like I said, these are the kind of things that people right. are only going to Google yeah. and like the oh, only yeah. want to buy online. They don't really want people yeah. to just want that nice brown Amazon packet coming. Right. That I, I don't want to be like caught, it. you know, looking at the shelves in my local drugstore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. by anybody. So, yeah. Which people don't tend to think about, but honestly, that is where right. I've seen a lot of sucks and think like, weird things weird things are the things that really not necessarily you know we're talking about hemorrhoids and things like that but just weird niches i mean a couple of niches that i've seen do really well was a one about serial killers right so a website all about serial killers like you know advertising the documentaries the books the and the amount of merchandise on amazon for people who love serial killer documentaries is like crazy so things like that which you wouldn't necessarily think of um and another one that did really well was pet deaths <laughs> so like pet funerals really? like little yeah yeah turning turning your pets your pets ashes into diamond necklaces and and things like this and make crazy because people love their pets do you know what i mean okay, so that is a little <laughs> i have not heard of that uh, before but wow okay so how about, can you share, obviously don't give any detail of anything, but what, what has been your biggest success? So like, just to give people like, we were talking about this and dollars and cents kind of thing. I mean, are, are you talking like, yeah, we can do a site and it makes a thousand dollars a month or are we talking like much bigger? Yeah, much bigger. I mean, it, it, I'm going to give you the SEO answer of it depends. Um, but <laughs> Well, obviously, but yeah, it, yeah, depending. It, but obviously I'm just, it really does. Yeah, I'm, so I'm just saying like with your experience. So, I've, you know, yeah. just to with, not say I mean, the site, but what what has been your biggest success? Yeah, I've, I've seen, I've seen the reports. Let's put it that way without giving any details. I've seen the reports of sites that are making six figures a month. Wow you're going to succeed. And that's right. what I love about it. And we've got clients that I built sites for probably this time last year. And within a year, they're making kind of five figures a month mm. already nice. within a year. And that's yeah. that's a really basic 
that's and that the what I'm talking about there is that's an Amazon. Those are right. Amazon sites, so that's right. not the right. highest commissions anyway. Sure. Yeah. The niches that are selling accessories and things like this, so then mm-hmm. also not hugely high ticket price items. So if you think about that in the space of a year, doing on a standard, you know, let's say say something like photography. Right. If you are sticking with, you know, you're sticking with Amazon. So the, the commissions aren't huge, 4%, something around there. And then your ticket price is not massive if you're doing, even your cameras is kind of like a hundred watt between three and four, if you're talking high ticket. Right, right. Um, but a lot of people are doing lenses and all of right. these small items and things like that. And you can still within that, within the year, get to a, a place where really you could, you could use that as a full-time income mm. instead of a, you know, your traditional wow, nine to five. Fantastic, so yeah. if you can imagine, you know, cha- changing that as something that is high ticket items where right. you're talking minimum, you know, $500 a, a, a ticket. And then obviously using private affiliates where sure. you're looking at 10 or 15% easy commission, then you can obviously do the math as to where you can kind of be with that. So it is kind of, if you hit the nail on the head with a niche, that's kind of what, you know, I, that's one of the reasons why I like working with new sites because that's where people tend to go wrong is that niche selection, the initial right. keyword research and stuff like this. If you get that right in the beginning, it's really easy to kind of build it up and then keep that maintenance going. And just as long as you've got consistency with, you know, you're always doing your content, you're always doing your link building and all of this kind of stuff, just your rinse and repeat, mm-hmm. then it's kind of a recipe for success, if you like, really. Wow, that's fantastic. All right. So I want to ask and dig in a little bit onto your entrepreneurial spirit. So clearly where you are today, you've had some great successes. You continue to have success. I find as we've talked with entrepreneurs every episode here, you know, some things that I find common, you know, that, that you do as well. It's this no fear to pivot in your life. And I mean, we have fun and we talk about, you know, the Bollywood and the Mexican circus and this and that that you've been involved with that is literally a lifetime for people. <laughs> but it really, though, is that you just really embrace change. And you've, at, at least from my perspective, you know, kind of looking in here and you are very comfortable, it appears to be like, hey, we're going to pivot. We're going to do something different. Yeah. Um, and- to be honest, that's probably one thing that I would confidently say about myself is that I'm the opposite of most people that I actually like change. I, I re- like, you know, most people like their routine, they like to be you know, like it's funny because my parents are probably the complete opposite to me. Like they've lived in their house in the UK for 35 years. They've never moved. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're very, they're not comfortable with change at all. Where I'm probably the complete opposite. I, I probably like change too much. I don't, I'm the kind of person that even, even what company website, it probably gets a facelift every six months because <laughs> I just get bored, you know? And like, I really do like change. I like, um, And I think especially for me, it probably is an entrepreneurial spirit in the sense of I like starting new things. I like, you know, being involved in that kind of side of things. Like at the minute with Clever Touch, that's probably why we kind of started um, the affiliate marketing experts, just because it got the point where there's management in place, there's staff in place. And Mm. really, I'm not as hands on in the building things up anymore as I used to be. Mm -hmm. So it's for me, that's 
that's the exciting part. And I think to be honest, that's why I kind of fell in love with SEO as well, because this it changes so often. Mm. So there's always something new happening. There's always something to keep on top of. And that's what I really like about it, which is uh which is is probably why I love SEO and it's probably why I used to love the dance as well. I used to like when I went to the circus for me, like, like Bollywood was great because you're always doing something different. Right. Like today you're doing one movie tomorrow, you're going to do a different movie where with the circus, I don't think I could have stood being there for longer than I was because once the show's in place, it's the same show day in day out. And for me, that was just, yeah, this is not exciting enough, yeah, <laughs> enough for yeah. me. So I think, yeah, I think, um, I think for me, I I really do have that kind of, um, that's somewhere within us. It's just, I do actually really like change. My husband knows very well because Ikea is probably our uh, on my speed dial list because I'm always changing stuff at home <laughs> because I just, I kind of, you know, I kind of look at the same color walls for too long and things like this. So oh, even in my home oh life, man. I'm very... You're a husband's nightmare right there. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Honestly, I, t- honestly, not I mean... Not another paint color, please. No. Honestly, I just turned around from the other day. We, we bought a house this time last year. Uh, we've been in it. And I turned around the other day and I was just sitting in the living room and I was like, I want to paint these walls black. And he was like, no, no, not again. No, please. Just enough, please. And I was like, no, no, really. Do you not think black will look nice? And yeah, like, it's just like, oh, here she goes again. Look, it's been a year and the paint needs to change. Like, it's... Honestly, well, so, I really do. so I, I love your personality because yes, obviously I think you embrace change, but something else I think is even a little bit deeper. You and I are similar, I think in, in an instance that I think you enjoy learning stuff new, you, you enjoy yeah. learning the new things and, and, um, kind of that like, wow, this is new and exciting. I want to dig into this and, yeah. you know, and, and figure it out. But the other aspect with that, though, is that you've had to recognize because of one reason or another that you had to pivot. And whereas sometimes I think some small business owners that that sometimes are, you know, they they're afraid to to like extend, expand, pivot, you know, get out of their comfort zone a little bit. And, and it's sometimes when that happens, they begin to struggle a little bit, but, and, uh, and I think, um, a real lesson through your experiences really is, you know, embrace, you know, those changes and some of those obstacles, you know, that you face. I mean, you've, you've been injured, you've had, you know, uh, economic challenges that have forced you to do other things. And instead of like, just digging in, like, I'm going to suffer through this and figure it out. You know, you're like, okay, what else can I do? And you're like, okay, now what? And you embraced that and moved on to, you know, and it's always brought you to like new and exciting and different kinds of things led open new doors for you. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, that's one of the things, um, I mean, when, when I was thinking about putting uh, the circuit, course together that was one of the reasons why I did it just because I could see so many people going through those problems with COVID and like we had a guy that came to us um who wanted to start a site who was a dentist and basically couldn't practice as a dentist during COVID but he's got he had so much knowledge and Mm. there is a niche for dental websites you know and it was just like if people could you know have that it is it can be scary but I think you just kind of have to have that I've just got that mentality of just like, we've just got to do, you've just got to do what you've got to do. Right. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I've, I've had positions where 
I mean, when I had me done school in the UK many, many years ago, um, I was still young and I probably made a lot of mistakes anyway, but I was working with the local government um, and it was completely funded, which is probably a mistake that I made to rely on that was the sense that they, they would pay me, they paid for the premises and everything so that I could teach local children for free who came from you know, lower economic backgrounds and things like this, because the idea was to keep them off the streets, stop them getting into drugs and things like this, give them activities right. instead. But of course, at some point that funding ran out and it was a case of we're not going to fund this anymore. Right. And, you know, when you've been bringing kids for four or five years for free, you kind of turn around them and say, OK, from tomorrow, it's going to cost you this much per lesson and, and stuff like this. So I essentially lost the work that I had. Um, and in return, I lost I lost my home. I lost everything. I was mm. uh, I literally became homeless. I had to go and ask if there was anything I could do. And the the local government told us to go to a women's shelter and that was about it. And so I said, OK, well, I'm going to go to a different country and work there instead then because it was just you're going to have to do something else, right, just right. going to have to get it done. And the same is like, I mean, obviously, when the Russian plane crash happened here in Egypt, it was a similar thing. And I had I literally had my daughter in on the 15th of October. And I think the Russian plane crash happened on the 22nd. Mm. And like the tourism was over. 100%. So it was just, and for anybody who's a parent, I think there is a different level of when you've got the responsibility of, it's not just you anymore. Right. You've, you've got a baby to look after, or you've got kids to look after. You just, it is a case of, oh, you just have to get it done. Right. You've got to do what you've got to do, you know? And, um, and yeah, and I think that's how things evolve as well. I mean, we've had like any business, we've had difficulties. We had difficulties really recently with, you know, people try some guy who was a competitor was deliberately mm. trying to kind of, uh, you know, bring the business down. And I think a lot of businesses get that, especially right, if you're a brick right. and mortar business, you'll get, you know, that competition. And right. I had that when. Uh, I was a dancer as well, you know, like the the local dance schools are co coming on each other's territory turns into West Side Story, you know. <laughs> so, but you just got to kind of, I think it's one of those things where if if you're scared to kind of pivot, sometimes that can lead you to getting stuck in the same kind of vicious cycle, if you like, rather right. than staying in security because it's not always a secure environment, if that makes sense. So I think if, uh, you know, if things need to change, you have to, just kind of take that head on and and you know hope that you get your experience and and the knowledge that you've got to help you kind of muddle through it if nothing else and if nothing more it's a learning experience in right, itself you right. know like you can see what's gone wrong and make those improvements and right. and so on and so forth so interesting I, I like this we had a guest uh on the show might have been about a year ago even and he talked about now he was in the technology industry um, specifically, and, and he had an interesting perspective on this, on this change and pivot. His belief was, and what he did was that he said, I just expect things to change. I expect to pivot every 18 months because that's just yeah. how life is. And he said, when I, when, I ha when I changed my mentality to that, then when things happen, I was much more prepared. Yeah. for those instances than when they kind of snuck up on you and hit you by surprise. So in thinking about that, what, what do you see? Are you preparing for your next pivot or what do you yeah, see around the corner? hundred percent. I think, I think probably obviously in kind of tech and, and especially we're in SEO and, and stuff like this, I think that's kind of 
part of the part of the job anyway because it's an ever-changing the ever-changing industries do you know what i mean and mm. it's one of those things where if if you don't change you're going to get left behind right. basically you have to you have to change things and even just yeah you know how you work and how even things like how you price things i mean we were looking at like link building for example we've been running a like a horro service for years uh, before it was a thing right. and we used to do it just we had VAs who were you know um, who would just answer queries every day for clients and stuff like this and then as it got more popular more and more people started doing their own Harrow services and they were charging per link so like for as an example we've had to completely change our model to be able to keep up with the competition because obviously it's getting such a saturated pool it's one of those things where you know if you don't keep up with the competition you will get left behind it'll be a case of you know if right. if people are charging differently charging higher prices and things like this they can afford to pay different people to do things that you know in the end of the day you're going to fall behind and you won't be able to provide that service for the client anymore so even things like that you just have to be you have to be open to it because the the world is changing i think a lot of kind of brick and mortar businesses is probably in this day and age especially with covid is probably one of the ways where they got hit the most because there is so much online where a lot of yeah traditional businesses are still kind of behind on an online side mm -hmm. you know like maybe they've got a website but you know they don't know what seo stands for never mind have any seo so um, the amount of people i've heard uh say oh i don't really need anything to do with google and stuff like this who have got traditional businesses i think that's where you know you've got to have that open mindset because just everything's changing around you all the time. Like I say, if you don't, if you if you're not willing to change with it, you'll you will get left behind at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, good advice right there. Good words. All right. So Jenny, it is yeah the bottom of the ninth here. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, at the point of the show here where we're kind of winding down, and I ask every guest this because you come with such uh, an incredible background of experience. What advice do you have for rookies in the game? You know, those folks just starting out in business, maybe they're already in business. Um, what kind of advice do you have for those folks uh, to help them along? Well, I mean, when I do a lot of uh, mentoring with younger women who are just getting an SEO, so um, because I'm part of a group called Women in Tech SEO, which is fantastic, and and they do a lot of mentoring programs. So it's something that I tend to, you know, I tend to give advice to people quite often. And one of the main things I, I kind of think is really important that a, a big mistake that people make across the board, not just in SEO. So I think that's probably the best best advice is just to find your niche really to not spread yourself too thin because that's what I see a, a lot of people doing, you know, like even when they will have, like I say, I have mentoring sessions with, with younger women who are, are trying to get into SEO and they're just trying to do everything. And then what happens is your, your service and stuff like that tends to end up substandard because you're, you're spreading yourself too thin. Like when we started, we started just with content and then we started adding in the other services and we've always been just for niche affiliate sites. So we're always a niche within a niche. So for me, it's a lot better to, you know, find that area that you can do really, really well with and provide a really good service and just stick to that rather than trying to do everything and, and ending up offering something substandard because that's how you're going to, you know, 
doesn't matter whether you've got a brick and mortar business or an online business, there's nothing better than word of mouth, if you like, in terms of marketing. That's always going to be your your biggest marketing tool is your reputation and your word of mouth. So if you can provide something great for people, then they're going to tell other people about it. So better to do that with one one service even than trying to do too much and it's like well they're okay but you know i wouldn't recommend so so yeah yeah yeah. that would be my advice good good advice i love too that you're working with uh, other women in the industry i know we mentioned holly starks i we had this conversation uh in our episode as well our show that you know how few women are in our industry in the seo or digital marketing world and uh yeah and she had mentioned like yeah i go to some of these conferences and i may be like you know one or two women in a field of a hundred guys here you know i'm yeah. the only one at the table has that been hard for you as well yeah i mean I was really lucky that I found uh, Women in Tech SEO. Uh, it, that's like community that was actually started by Arij Abu Ali. And she's actually, she's the opposite of me. She's an Egyptian woman who moved to the UK <laughs> and, and I'm on the opposite end. So, but but Women in Tech SEO, they've got more than 2,000 members now. So it's, nice. it's women only working in SEO um, and they do a lot of mentoring programs and they do internal training and, and you know, webinars and all this kind of stuff. And actually finding that community was something that made me want to do things like this, like do podcasts and stuff like good, this, because good. everything that I was seeing, you know, I mean, I always try to stay up to date with everything. So I'm always following webinars and podcasts and, you know, I love watching the the SEMrush webinars and things, but everything I seen was, you know, 90% of the time it's skies, you know, like right. and all your main influencers, your Matt Diggity's, your Craig Campbell's, that right, you know, right. they're all men. So, so I was, I was kind of like, mm, I don't really know if I want to put myself out there amongst a, a bunch of guys, really, because you know that's what a lot of the time you see. But you know, finding a community that is women that really helped me as well, just to get a little bit of confidence to be like, you know what. I can, I know just as much as these blokes, so why not stand next to them and talk about something as well from a woman's perspective? So, I mean, talking about change, that's what that's my next goal uh, is I actually want to kind of get on a whole load of new female clients in terms of like for building websites and stuff, because I think certainly for a lot of women, um, a lot of women that have been hit, not only been hit by COVID, but, you know, 90% of the time as mothers, it's us who right. want to stay at home and, and be with our kids and stuff like this. And I think affiliate SEO is one of those things where that gives a an opportunity to have the best of both worlds, you know, because it's something you can do from home with young children. I, I'm, I'm the poster child for that. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that would be, that's my next kind of goal is to try and, you know, get on a kind of all female client base if I could and, yeah. and help a lot of women to get into uh, niche affiliate SEO and building their own sites and building their own six figure businesses from that kitchen table. So that would be uh, a nice thing to see. Yeah. Well, I love, I love where you're going. I love where you're going with it and uh, you know, all the best uh, success for you. I'll tell you so fun just getting to know you. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great. Thank you very much for having us. I've been excited to come on with your, your perfect podcast voice that (laughs) I love listening to. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. Yes. And so let me as well um, 
again, you can get um, Jenny's free course. She's got m- multiple websites you can hit it on, but I'll just <laughs> give the one uh, for right now, clevertouchmarketing.com. You can find a link to her other uh, websites on that main site as well, but you can yeah. get the free niche building affiliate marketing course uh, right there as well, which yeah. is great. And again, just thank you so much, Jenny, for being on the show. It's been uh, lovely. I don't know what you say. And my daughter <laughs> likes to try to speak like she's from the UK. And so like we, uh, that's brilliant. You know, I don't know. I'm horrible <laughs> at it, but yeah. But thank you for being on the show. It's been great. Yeah, it's been it's been really good to to be on and have a have a nice all around chat, not just about SEO. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's been fun. All right, good, good. All right, well that's the ball game. Hey, thanks for joining us today, everybody. And if you like our show, please tell your friends, subscribe, and review, and we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the bases with small businesses is brought to you by Thirty Eight Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.